45, Psalm 45, this evening. As you're turning there, just a note, a reminder, um, because our evening service was canceled last week, uh, some of you who are planning to turn in your ballot Sunday night may not have had an opportunity, so our uh, due date for primary ballots has been moved to tonight, just to give you an extra opportunity to turn those in. So if you have not turned that in, tonight uh, is, is your last opportunity to do that. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we rejoice this evening in your marvelous love for us. Even as we have just sung, we are left in awe how deep the Father's love for us. For even when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We admit this evening that we are entirely undeserving, and yet you are entirely loving. We rejoice in that love. We marvel at your love. And we pray that this evening as we look at this passage that we would once again marvel at the deep, marvelous love of God. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 45. My heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my comp composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty one, with your glory and your majesty. And in your majesty ride prosperously because of truth, humility, and righteousness. And your right hand shall teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The people fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. All your garments are scented with myrrh and aloes and cassia, out of the ivory palaces by which they have made you glad. King's daughters are among your honorable women. At your right hand stands the queen in gold from Ophir. Listen, O daughter. Consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also and your father's house. So the king will greatly desire your beauty. Because he is your Lord, worship him. And the daughter of Tyre will come with a gift. The rich among the people will seek your favor. The royal daughter is all glorious within the palace. Her clothing, clothing is woven with gold. She shall be brought to the king in robes of many colors. The virgins, her companions who follow her, shall be brought to you. With gladness and rejoicing they shall be brought. They shall enter the king's palace. Instead of your fathers shall be your sons, whom you shall make princes in all the earth. I will make your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore the people shall praise you forever and ever. This evening, as we look at Psalm 45, we're actually going to be spending our time in a love song. 
Psalm 45 is a love song. In fact, it says there, right there, uh, in the information about the psalm, to the chief musician set to the lilies, likely the, the tune, a contemplation of the sons of Korah, a song of love. Before we jump into the psalm, I want to stop there at that note, a contemplation of the sons of Korah. This is, I think, the third psalm that we've had now that is a contemplation of the sons of Korah. And someone asked me last week, who are the sons of Korah? Can you explain this to us? And so I want to take some time this evening just to, before we dive into the song to talk, psalm to talk about these sons of Korah. You may remember the name Korah. It kind of stands out in the Old Testament as a man who rebelled, who challenged Moses and Aaron for the priesthood. And you might remember the story then where, where the earth opened up and swallowed him and all those who were with him. But we find out in Numbers 26 that Korah's sons are spared. These sons of Korah grow up and eventually become keepers and custodians in the temple. Eventually, under David, they become leaders of music. Some of them go out to war with David and, and are great men of war. As you work your way through the Psalms, there's actually 11 Psalms that are attributed to them. And as you work your way through these Psalms written by the sons of Korah, you see that they are very... The word contemplation is a good word. A contemplation of the sons of Korah. They express awe about who God is and what God has done as they contemplate these things. So we come to Psalm 45 then. These sons of Korah, who have become leaders of music, those who serve in the temple. They've here composed a song of love. There's actually not just a love song between a husband and a wife, which is an aspect of it, between a king and his queen, but as you'll come to see, it's a love song between a God and his people. And as you work your way through this psalm, in the first nine verses you see the king, in verses 10 to 15 you see the bride, and then in verses 16 to 17 you see their children, their descendants. The psalmist starts out in verse 1 with excitement. He's excited to, to write this. In fact, this is something that is, is bubbling up inside of him, and he cannot help but express this. He starts, my, my heart is overflowing with a good theme. This is a good thing that I have been contemplating. It's bubbling up within me. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to get this down. I have to get this down. As I've been in school in all the years, it seems like, that I've ever been alive, <laughs> I've written many papers. And there's some papers where I'm excited to write it, right? Where it just it comes flowing out. In fact, the, the research is fun. It's exciting. I enjoy it. There's some papers where I put it off as long as possible because I don't enjoy it. I'm not looking forward to it. It's just not a subject that I am interested in. This subject is a subject that greatly interests the psalmist. 
It's something that just bubbles up and so he cannot hold it in. He wants to shout this from the rooftops. He is excited about these truths. Starts out then in verse 2, after expressing his excitement, the privilege to, to write this, to express this, then verse 2 is addressed to this king. We don't know who the king is. It never identifies the king. It seems, reading it, it's likely Solomon. It seems it's likely Solomon as he marries a foreign queen. Many even look to maybe someone from Egypt, as we see in 1 Kings 3. Well, we don't know who this king is. A couple things we do know. We know he's in the line of David. We know he's in the line of David. And we'll see, we'll see that in a little bit. But it starts here. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips, therefore God has blessed you forever. He's describing this king. This king is good looking. This king is well spoken. God has blessed him with these things. Not only is he good looking, not only is he well spoken, he is a powerful king. Gird your sword upon your thigh. Verses 3 to 5, look at this king in battle. He's a powerful king. He's a majestic king. Gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty one, with your glory and your majesty, and in your majesty ride prosperously because of truth, humility, and righteousness. Ride prosperously because of or for these things. Promote these things in your reign. This reign that God has called you to, that God has gifted you, he's blessed you. Therefore, in your reign, promote truth, promote humility, promote righteousness. Ride in the prosperity that God has given you, and with that prosperity, use it to promote these things that God has called you to promote as king of his people. Your right hand shall teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp in the hand of the king's enemies. The king's enemies. The people fall under you. Again, his, his conquest, his power in battle. As you come to verses 6 to 7, it kind of shifts here. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Your, you love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. See, as you come to verse 6, it becomes clear at this point that the psalmist has something a little bit more in mind than just this king. There's something else going on here. Verses 6 to 7, he's not just talking to a king of Israel. He's talking to God himself. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. You are a righteous God. You rule rightly. You promote these things. You love righteousness. You hate wickedness. This is the king is called to do in verse 4. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Verses, 16, or verses 6 and 7 here is actually uh, quoted in Hebrews 1, verses 8 to 9. 
And it directly applies these verses to Jesus Christ. This is a messianic. These verses are messianic. And in Hebrews 1, directly these verses are talking about the supremacy of Jesus Christ, specifically the supremacy of Jesus Christ over angels. His reign that will last forever. So it's become clear as we work through just the first seven verses that the psalmist has more in mind here than just a king in Israel. There's something greater that he is speaking of. He goes on, verse 8, All your garments are scented with myrrh and aloes and cassia. Not only is he good looking, not only is he well spoken, not only is he powerful and majestic, but he smells good. That might not mean much to us, but in that day, that meant a lot. Not everyone smelled good. Now the ivory palaces by which they have made you glad. King's daughters are among your honorable women. You are surrounded by those who are powerful. At your right hand stands the queen in gold from Ophir. This king is good looking, well spoken. He's powerful. He's majestic. He's respected. He's good smelling. He's a good king. As you come to verse 10, then you see this bride. Listen, O daughter. Consider and incline your ear. Pay attention. Forget your own people also and your father's house. Forget your own people and your father's house. That, that gives clues that we're likely talking about someone coming from a foreign nation. Coming to a new people, a new allegiance. Forget your people, forget your father's house. In this marriage, you are coming together, you're making a covenant. You have a new people. So the king will greatly desire your beauty. This is a beautiful bride. Because he is your Lord, worship him. She's called here to, to bow down, to submit to her new king. She has a new people, a new allegiance, a new king. The daughter of Tyre will come with a gift. The rich among the people will seek your favor. The royal daughter is all glorious, and within the palace her clothing is woven with gold. She shall be brought to the king in robes of many colors. The virgins, her companions who follow her, shall be brought to you with gladness and rejoicing that shall be brought you shall enter the king's palace. As great, as glorious, as good-looking, as well-spoken as this king, so is the bride. She matches him. She is, she is good like him. She has a new people now, a new king, a new home, a new allegiance. She's not to be marked by her old life, but by her new identity. Verses 1 to 9, the king is good. Verses 10 to 15, the bride is blessed. And then verses 16 to 17, the future is bright. Their descendants. Instead of your fathers shall be your sons, whom you shall make princes in all the earth. I will make your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, the people shall praise you forever and ever. Instead of your fathers shall be your sons. No matter how great your ancestors were, no matter how great your fathers are, your descendants will be even greater. 
There's a promise of prosperity here. That will make your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, the people shall praise you forever. As you work your way through Psalm 45, you see a good king, a blessed bride, and a bright future. Psalm 45 is not meant, though, to draw our attention to this king, whoever he may be, and this queen. It's meant to draw our attention not to the king of Israel, but to the God of Israel. It's meant to draw our attention to this great God. It's like we say at, at, at funerals or at weddings. Right? We say this is a, this is a good thing at, at a wedding. But we're here to honor the God that has brought you together. We understand, we recognize that there's something greater that is going on. This is not about you two. It's about the God who has brought you together. As we come to Psalm 45, it's not about this couple. It's about this God. It's about his promises, his faithfulness. It's about the God who is supreme, who will rule forever. Psalm 45 points to a great king, but it looks forward to an even greater king. It's a celebration of the faithfulness of God who will keep his promises. A celebration of the faithfulness of this God. He's a God who keeps his promises. And it looks forward to a greater king and a greater kingdom. And as we look to Psalm 45 and we see this love song between God and his chosen people, Israel, we're reminded of promises that God has made to us, his church. Our mind is, is drawn to the marriage supper of the Lamb, to all these things that, that, we, that we talk about, that we see in the New Testament, these promises that God has given to us as the church. The same God who is faithful to his people, who will bring this kingdom that he has promised, who will be a great king for them as he has promised in Psalm 45, is the same God who's made promises to us, his church. This same kingdom that they are looking forward to, that they are longing for in Psalm 45, as they look forward to a future descendant who will be greater than the fathers, it's the same thing that we long for. Matthew 6.10, in the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Many times we pray, we'll, we'll end our prayers, or we'll say, even so, come Lord Jesus. We are longing for this day when our great King will come. When He will fulfill these promises. He is great. He is coming. His kingdom will come. As we work our way through Psalm 45, that is what we see. A good king, a blessed bride, and a bright future because of a faithful God.
Let us be encouraged by that this evening. Let's be encouraged by the fact that we have a faithful God, that our future is bright. Let us be encouraged from the, the, the truths here in Psalm 45, but even as expressed in Hebrews 1, the supremacy of Jesus Christ. He will rule forever. And what a day that will be. We cannot wait. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. As we move to prayer requests...